Um, Najee's sermon was so powerful. How many of you agree with me? The Easter sermon, so powerful. I was so blessed uh, listening to Najee. He's my friend and I haven't heard him preach so wonderfully before. Um, <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment. So we need you back here more often. Whatever you did that Easter Sunday morning, we need to see that more often. Um, I think his wife was laying hands on him <laughs> through the night to make sure that in the morning there's this fresh power that came forth. But it was so beautiful, I cannot forget the message. Uh, thank you, Naji. Um, and as you can see, my beloved mother is here with us. Um, it's a privilege. She's um, always joining us wherever we travel, and we're glad she's here with us today. Thank you, Mom, for being here. Let us pray as we get into the message. Lord, um, we have prayed, and I still pray again, that you please bless the word that will come forth this morning. Encourage our hearts. We're still in the Easter season. And um, please, Lord, help us as we start this new series um, today. Just help our hearts to receive what you have prepared for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're starting a new series um, in church about the local church. All right? This new series is about the local church. And today's sermon was originally titled, A Place to Belong. Um, but this morning as I was praying and just thinking through, I felt I should change that to the new topic, which is what Jesus does for the church. As part of the season we're in, what Jesus does for the church. One of the greatest institutions, organizations, communities that has ever existed is the church. It's a mystery in its magnitude, in its capacity, in its ability. The church is a mystery and there's nothing that is comparable with the church. The strongest force on earth, the safest place to be, the family of God. As we go through this sermon, we'll be hearing the words building, temple, but please remember, even as we use those words, it's still the community of God we're referring to, and the Bible is referring to, not a denomination and not a local church name, but the community of God's people. Our text this morning is from Ephesians chapter 2, and we are reading from verse 17 to 22. I don't know if it's on the screen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 17 to 22. Could we please read together one, two, go, and he came to you who were afar off and those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, 
You are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Build the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Five things God does for the church. And notice that the tense being used is the present. It's not what God did but what God does. Five things that God does, five things that God is doing for the church. Number one, he brings peace. Now, could you flash verse 14? Verse 14 says, for he himself is our peace. Amen. He himself is our peace. There's no peace outside Jesus. Not money, not friends, not fame. Nothing can bring that deep-seated peace. The whole world is crying for peace. But the Bible says he himself is our peace. There is no peace without the cross. There is no peace without the empty grave. And that's why this season is so important. Because he is our peace. And our scripture today starts from verse 17. The New King James Version, which I'm reading from, says, He came and preached peace. His goal was to bring Peace, peace on the inside, peace between man and God, peace between communities at war, peace. He preached peace. He was determined to bring peace. Verse 18 says, through him we have access by one spirit to the Father. Peace starts with and is sustained by this connection with the Father. There's no peace outside this connection. He says, we have access by one spirit to the Father. That's where peace is. The world specializes in stealing peace. Things are happening every single day to take away peace. But we have access to the Father by the Spirit. And there we find peace. And so the first thing Jesus does is that he brings peace to those who have access to the Father. He brings peace. If you ask me, what is 
the one thing I need every single day. It's peace. Peace in my heart. Peace in my home. Peace in my relationships. Peace in my work. Peace. And He is our peace. Amen. And as we come together as people who carry the peace of God, we share that peace together. The local church becomes a place where there is peace. In our apartment building where I live, my wife and I went to visit um, one of the uh, owners of the building, and he lives on the top floor, just to greet him and say, you know, congratulations. It's Ramadan, Ramadan Karim. And we went with some fruits and some stuff, and we sat together and... You know, as we got talking, you know, he says, what do you do? And I said, I work in the church. I said, you work in the church as what? I said, well, I'm a pastor. He says, oh, you are Abuna. I said, yes, I'm Abuna. He said, why don't you dress like an Abuna? (laughs) Of course, you know here, the concept is with the Coptic Orthodox Church, the Abuna dresses in a particular way. But as we got talking, he said something. He said when we were children, we would go and play in the church compound that there was so much peace. And when the Abuna would come, they would kiss his hands. Of course, you know that's the tradition here, right? And he says till now, when they go to Europe, he says they were recently in Italy. Was it Italy? He said, yeah. They were recently in Italy, and he called a place in Italy. Don't you know this cathedral in Italy? And I said, I don't know. And he's wondering, what kind of abuna doesn't know the church in Italy? <laughs> this, is he a real abuna and doesn't know this famous church in Italy? But he said something. He said, when we go to the church, he says, and we enter this church building. He says, we go in and just sit. He said, it's so quiet. He says, I feel so much peace. Look at that. Look at that. Just entering the church. No preaching. No message. But the Spirit of God is there. And he sits down and he finds what? Peace. The local church is a community of peace. Amen. And the Spirit of God, when he dwells amongst his people... His presence brings peace. And we know stories again and again of people who don't follow Jesus, who would just go to the church to sit down and they find what? Peace in the silence of the church. When we worked in Sudan, we know a lady who had cancer. And she said, she told me this story herself. She had advanced stage cancer. She had no peace. The doctor said there's no hope. And she said she was weeping one day. And she felt, let me go to the church. But of course, she's not one of the followers of Jesus. So she goes in the middle of the night when there's no one. The the church is locked. 
she sits outside the door of the church and she's just crying by the steps of the church. And she's saying, Jesus, in our book, you brought healing. You helped the needy. You were there for people. I am here. I have cancer. Jesus, help me. And she's just there crying by the door of the local church. She tells me this story. She goes back home and she says she felt something different in her body. All through the night, she felt something had happened. She went to her doctor the next day and said, I think something has changed. And the doctor said, there's nothing has changed. You have advanced stage cancer. She said, please, could you run the test again? The doctors ran the test again. No trace of cancer. Hallelujah. No trace of cancer. One night with the king. One night in the house of the Lord. No preacher. No laying of hands. No oil. Nothing. She just cries at the feet of a Lord she still did not know. Then she comes to my office. She says, I heard there's a Christian in this office. I'm in my office and I'm hearing some noise outside. And I ask my secretary, what's going on? See, there's a woman who says, she hears that there's a Christian. I must see the Christian. And she comes into my office. I say, madam, what is the problem? She said, are you the Christian? I said, you know, reluctantly, kind of, yeah, well, um, yes. She says, I had cancer. I went to the church last night. I prayed and I am healed. I want to follow Jesus. Will you tell me what to do? Oh, God is doing stuff. The house is the house of peace. Hallelujah. The troubled come to the house. The confused. Are you here today and you're troubled? This is the place of peace. Are you troubled by anything? He is our peace. Is your marriage struggling? He is your peace. Are you sick in your body? He is our peace. I believe. If you believe, his peace comes today. Amen. The church of God is a house of peace. Number two, verse 19. Are you with me? Verse 19. He says, New King James says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Beautiful. He says, Now, look at the tense again. Now, present tense. Now, you are no longer strangers. You are no longer foreigners. You are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, that's the second thing Jesus does. He brings us into God's family. You were strangers. We were strangers. But now, we are no more strangers. We are fellow citizens 
with the citizens of heaven. Hallelujah. Yes, I know you're all looking at me and saying, but you have a Nigerian passport. My citizenship is not in Nigeria. My citizenship is with the saints above. The triumphant. They sit, they bow, they worship before the king. And they say, you, Chinedu, you are part of this country. You're a citizen of heaven. We are citizens with him. We were not, but now we are. And members of this household of love, this household of God, we are members. Please, can I ask you to do something? Turn to someone and say we are members together. Now, David, look at someone and say we are members together. Members in one household. It doesn't matter your nationality. One of the brothers who shared with us in the prayer meeting last Friday, um, I can't remember his name now, I'm sure he's here. Um, but the way he started was, he says, I am not Chinese, I am Korean. I said, okay, that's a good way to start. But you know what? For some of us, we don't know the difference. Eugene looks Chinese, Korean. I don't know. Eugene, where are you from? Egypt. Okay. <laughs> so some of us don't know the difference, right? You look at me and say, where are you from? Are you from Africa? As though it's a country. But you know what? We're not Chinese, we're not Korean, we're not Nigerian. Who are we? Citizens of what? Heaven and members of one family. That's who we are. Members of one family. Together. Members of one family. The second thing Jesus does, he brings us into God's family. Amen. He brings us in. We join with the hosts of heaven. And we say we are one with the citizens of heaven. Number three, the third thing Jesus does. And remember, all this is connected to the local church. So we are here as a local church, not knowing the difference in color or in height or in shape or in passport. We just say to one another, we are members of what? This family of God. Amen. We are members of this family of God. And may the Lord free our hearts from anything else that predefines us. May our first definition be we are members of God's family. Before we say we are Nigerian, American, Canadian, Swedish, we are first of all what? Members of God's family. Number three is that he upholds the family. Verse 20 says, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Using King James, New King James. I love the word himself. 
You know, he didn't delegate that assignment to angels. He didn't delegate that to anyone else. He says, listen, I myself, I am the chief cornerstone. And so I Google to find out what's a chief cornerstone. Wikipedia says the cornerstone is the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. All other stones will be set in reference to this stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. Did you get that? It's kind of long and windy, but it says... It's the first stone set, and it says all other stones will be set in reference to this stone. And by this, determine the whole structure. Jesus is the one that sets the tone. Amen. He upholds the structure. He defines the structure. Jesus is our cornerstone. So in the local church, like this church, Jesus must be the cornerstone. Any church that sets Jesus as the cornerstone is a healthy, thriving, spiritual community. But the moment we take Jesus out of being the cornerstone, then there's crisis, there's confusion. Now, we need a constitution. And this church has a constitution. And thankfully, that constitution has been revived and renewed and revised and finally accepted. But the constitution is not our cornerstone. It's helpful. But if Jesus is not the cornerstone, we will fight and die over a piece of paper. We will argue and kill for the sake of something that doesn't matter as much to Jesus. We need the paperwork. Thanks to Najee and Joshua and Andrew and all those who labored on that. But may we keep Jesus always as the cornerstone. May he set the direction. May he set the tone. May he be the one who defines all we do. Jesus is the only one who upholds and sets the direction for this spiritual household. Number four, verse 21, it says, in whom, again, in Jesus, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom, in Jesus, The whole building is fitted together. Number four, Jesus fits the building. He fits it together. He puts it together. He couples it together. What would make a Russian and a Ukrainian worship in the same sanctuary? It has to be Jesus. Right? It has to be Jesus. And some people carry years of heart and baggage. But they come and they find peace relating with others. It has to be Jesus. Jesus fits the church. 
after years of apartheid in South Africa, and there was so much fracture in the society, it was Jesus that would bring a white man and a black man, and they can sit together and worship. Only Jesus can do that. Jesus fits the hearts. He fits the people. In our local church, may Jesus fit this family together. Amen. Just like marriage. If you marry correctly, you fit with your spouse. If you marry wrongly, you find you're struggling all the way through. And that's a word of caution for those who are not married. Please marry in the Lord. Amen. Two cannot walk together except they agree. Part of what I do over time, over the years, has been counseling families. And many times I think people actually married wrongly. So you marry because of beauty, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. Because her hair will not remain long after 40 years of marriage. So if you marry for the long hair, you're in trouble. Somebody told a joke and said, he married someone, I read this somewhere, he married someone because she sang so beautifully in the choir. She was this angelic voice. When she sings, wow. And then after marriage, the first night, the honeymoon, he wakes up in the morning and looks at the lady sitting next to him. And he can't believe that's the same lady he married. He said to her, start singing. <laughs> we don't marry because of external beauty. We marry because the Lord leads us to the right person. Amen. And so, whether it's in marriage or whether it's in family or local church, it's the Lord who fits together. The Lord joins together. Now, let me mention here that in this same way, you may not fit into every church. So, you need to find also a church where your heart fits. I stepped into this church over a year ago and I felt at home. This was home to me. Almost instantly. After the service, people walked up to me. They welcomed me. They asked after my name. They were interested in me. In one moment, I felt family. If you go to a church and you don't feel welcome, run. The Lord fits the church. May you find a place where you fit. Amen. I pray everyone here finds this church a welcoming place. I pray everyone here doesn't feel that they're a misfit. Because in God's house, there should be no misfits. And if you're here and you feel you don't fit in, please see me afterwards. And we'll find a way to fit you in. But no one should be in church and feel like a misfit. No one. Because this is the house of God. The Bible says, you are being built together. Sorry, that's um, 21. Being fitted together. He fits the church together. He fits the people together. 
And then finally, number five, verse 22, again, he says, In whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. And so number five is, he builds and grows this family. He builds and grows in whom you are being built as individuals, yes, but the word here is being built together. The verse before that says, growing into a holy temple. We are being built. God's vision for the church is growth. God wants us to grow spiritually, grow relationally. God wants us to grow. And so, and that's the final point, God builds and grows. If you are in a church where you are not growing, something is wrong. Because the local church should help us grow. The sermons should help us grow. The worship should help us grow. There must be growth. Individually, yes. Reading your Bible at home, studying at home is important for growth. But here, it is growing together. Growing together. We have small groups in this church. One way to grow is to be part of a small group. Be part of a group that meets outside Sunday or Friday. Grow by being part of uh, um, an activity group, the prayer group, the welcoming group. The ch- just the involvement helps us to grow. When I see this young man here, I don't know your name, but I see him so committed to the AV, to the audio. I'm so impressed. And I'm sure you're growing, right? I hope so. You're growing, right? Just want to make sure that. But that is it. Find a place to be involved. I saw my Ethiopian daughter joining the choir. I said, wow, that is growth as well. Thanks, Eugene, for pulling the young people. Oh, Sarah. Oh, Sarah. So, God's will is that we grow, we get involved, we learn. I think there's a Bible study group as well. Join that. Jesus is building his church in whom you are being built. Again, look at the word being. All right? Not you were. You are being built. The building continues. If you are here and you feel you're not growing, please pray, Lord, I need to grow. The house of God is a place to grow. To grow skill. To grow prayer, to grow capacity, to grow relationally, to grow in fellowship, to grow spiritually. We need to grow. Anything that doesn't grow is dead. But if we're connected to Jesus, we will grow. 
And if we're connected to a local church, we will grow. In summary, by the working of His Spirit, the church is where God brings peace to His people as He fits us in together and builds us up together so that His Spirit can dwell freely among His people. Hallelujah. So that His Spirit, that last verse says, being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's what He wants. He wants to build this church so that He dwells here by the Spirit. God wants to dwell among His people. In the Old Testament, the glory would physically come, isn't it? They would see the glory. The presence of God will enter and rest upon the tabernacle or rest upon the mount of God. And he would dwell there. He would rest there. The greatest cry of my heart is, Lord, dwell in this church. Dwell among God's people. Let a sinner walk walk into the church and just walking into the church, he feels the presence of God because God dwells here. Let someone who is broken and wounded come into the church and he feels healing just being here. Let a marriage be on the verge of breaking up and they say, let's just go to that church. And suddenly there is a sense of new love and unity And the wife looks at the husband and the husband looks at the wife and says, what happened today? All my pain is gone. How many of you believe that's possible? Can I see your hand? That God can so dwell here that anyone who comes in is transformed. That's why I'm part of the prayer team. And that's one prayer we are praying every week. Lord, let your glory fill this house. And let the people of God meet with you each time. Shall we pray together? Five things God does for the church. I'll just ask that we take one minute. Are you hurting? Are you need healing? Can you just pray? I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything. Can you just pray and say, Lord, heal me? Do you have pain in your heart? Are you struggling? Unforgiveness, anger? Say, Lord, heal me. Give me peace. Just talk to the Lord. For the local church is a place where God comes to meet his own. Just talk to the Lord for a minute. Thank you, Father. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. Lord Jesus, you are faithful. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I want us to close with this song that was sung earlier on. Can we just rise together? Jesus, Lamb of God,
Worthy is your name. Just the chorus. We sing it a few times and then we close. Jesus, Lamb of Jesus, you are our peace, you are our cornerstone, you are the one that fits us together, you are the one that builds us together, you are the one that grows us as a community, and you dwell amongst us. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for this church. Lord, we pray, let the hand of the Lord be upon everyone in the service today. Let the hand of the Lord touch everyone who has a need, everyone who cries to you for something. Is there someone who doesn't know you? Lord Jesus, bring them into your peace even this day, and all the glory will be yours forever. And now, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with every one of us, even now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. God bless you, church.